Welcome to MuggleCast episode 392. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. Uh, Micah. And I'm Laura. <laughs> what? 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 Hey guys. Laura? Uh, the hey Laura? Laura? Uh, I, I suppose if there is a the Laura, that would be me. Wow, yes, absolutely. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. How you doing? What's new? I'm doing great. Yeah. Um, I... I'm currently hosting a little podcast called Millennial with Andrew. So that's kind of Mm -hmm. my podcasting experience for the moment. But the other thing that's new is I got to pet a red panda yesterday. (laughs) And that was so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Is that like prep for Fantastic Beasts or? Yeah, you have to know how to pet them appropriately or else they will attack you. It's very similar (laughs) to the Fantastic Beasts of the Potter universe. That's awesome. Well, it's nice to have you back on the show. I'm sure it's been years since you were on. Yeah, Um, since I was properly on. I know y'all have called me a couple of times over the years to get my take on things, but I don't think I've been on a full episode in at least five years. Yeah. And then Laura was visiting a couple weeks ago and Eric and I were hanging out with her and uh, it just kind of came up like, hey, want you want to come back on the show? And like Laura was super into it. And we were like, OK, well, come on back. Yeah, this works <laughs> for me in like planning the doc this morning. I was having so much fun because yeah. there's no politics. <laughs> you know, there's no social unrest. Yeah. It's just Harry Potter. It was just so great to plan. Yeah, it's very refreshing. It's it's pleasant to talk about. So you said it's been a few years, and in the years since, we've had a lot of our listeners actually coming on the show, and something we've been doing is getting their fandom idea to get a sense of them as a Harry Potter fan. So to get a sense of you for any of our new listeners, why don't you tell us your favorite book, movie, um, Hogwarts House, Ilvermorny House, and Patronus? Sounds good. So my favorite book is Goblet of Fire. I don't know if you're looking for explanations for all of these things, but you're going to get them. Um, (laughs) For me, Goblet of Fire really felt like a turning point in the series. It was the first point in the series where uh, things started to feel – the stakes were really high. Things started to feel really adult. And as an 11-year-old reading this book, I was like, oh, no, things are getting real now. People are dying. Um, And that just made it feel that much more poignant to me. Uh, My favorite movie is Deathly Hallows Part 1. I felt like as an adaption, this was the best of the movies. However, I do have a somewhat unpopular opinion. I also loved Prisoner of Azkaban as a movie. (laughs) (laughs) I know this is controversial, but hear me out. Even though Prisoner of Azkaban was far from a perfect movie... I felt that it really set the tone for the rest of the movies in the series. And it really felt like the first movie to actually uh, properly adapt the tone from the books. Mm. I'm more offended by you calling Deathly Hallows Part 1 your favorite movie. I feel like that's like everybody's least favorite movie. Why? As an adaption, it was so good. Okay. All right. I don't, (laughs) I just like, it's just, it's just so slow and nothing's happening. I felt like. Well, that's, that's the first half of Deathly Hallows though. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Acting is happening, Andrew. It's all about the characters. It's true. Yeah. The kids did get better as they went on. Mm -hmm. Um, I am a Ravenclaw, a very proud Ravenclaw. I have tons of Ravenclaw (laughs) memorabilia. Uh, My Ilvermorny house is Thunderbird, 
which I think is somewhat predictable because it seems like everyone who's a Ravenclaw is also a Thunderbird. Okay. And my Patronus is an Irish wolfhound. Not not a red panda. No. I don't <laughs> know if that's an option. I wish it <laughs> I <don't> were. <laughs> we'll have to look at the full list. Well, excellent. Thank you for reintroducing yourself here on the show. We do have some news to talk about, and then we've got some voicemails, and then we've got chapter by chapter. This is going to be the last chapter by chapter before uh, Fantastic Beasts, our Fantastic Beasts discussions kick into full gear. But speaking of that, um, people have started seeing the movie. (laughs) There have been these fan-first screenings, and they happened on Saturday, and (laughs) they got a new hashtag. It's no longer keep the secrets, it's protect the secrets. Mm -hmm. And J.K. Rowling has been pushing that on Twitter, and the fans received buttons. This is like Cursed Child all over again. People are seeing a new Harry Potter plotline early, and they're begging people to now hashtag protect the secrets. Why Why did nobody tell us about these? We could have signed up and went. I... Yeah. I have no idea. They did like a dozen screenings across the U.S. Including one in Chicago yesterday. Yeah. Very painful to not be there, knowing that it was so close. And yes, so far. Um, We actually know somebody who saw one of these screenings. I didn't give him a heads up that I'm going to call him yet, though. I thought we were going to do it a little bit later. So let me give him a heads up. He'll uh, give us a spoiler-free review. Um (laughs) But before that, I want to also mention that J.K. Rowling seems to be hinting at the third location of the third Fantastic Beast movie. So obviously the first one was in New York, and then the second one is primarily set in Paris. And this third one... (laughs) He just texted me. I'm actually listening live right now, so you can call me whenever. (laughs) That's dedication. Yeah, isn't that the beauty of doing the show like this, that people just respond right away? Yeah, yeah. Just text me everything you have to say, Lucas. I'll just read it on there. No, I'm kidding. Um, so so um, what happened was J.K. Rowling updated her Twitter header art, and somebody asked her, what is that new header art? And she said, it's Rio da Janeiro, D.A. Janeiro in the 1930s. So she made a typo. It should have been D.E. instead of D.A. And then she realized her mistake, and... Uh, J.K. Rowling then said, let's just say I really ought to be able to spell Rio de Janeiro properly, given how many times I've written slash typed it in the last few months. We also know she's been writing Fantastic Beast 3 over the past few months. She has said so. So, mm. looks like the third movie might be in Brazil. That's kind of cool. Either that or Corbin Strike is headed to Rio. <laughs> <laughs> that makes less sense, though, doesn't it? Yeah. I think it would be very cool to see the new beast down there. And I can only imagine how whimsical the Wizarding World would be in Rio de Janeiro. Definitely, I'm thinking, like, colorful. I hope this is an opportunity to bring color back into these movies. Um, Because they're all very (laughs) noir. I mean, we're hearing Crimes of Grindelwald is basically described as a film noir. Um, So I'd be interested in seeing Brazil, more colorful beasts in the jungle. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Plus, as many of us may have seen on Twitter, people beg J.K. Rowling to come to Brazil. So maybe she's finally just giving them what they want. She's like, I'm sick of all these people saying, come to Brazil to me in my in my mentions. So, you know, it's also funny for a series that's all about this uh, sort of corrupt 
dictator, politician, um, nationalist, you know, kind of guy. Uh, I don't, in, and for the films already being an allegory of uh, World War II and the rise of Nazism, recent politics in Brazil are a bit surprising. <laughs> and uh, I think that, you know, it's it's kind of a natural fit for the series to have some something to say about, um, you know, that country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just elected a guy who's basically considered by the media to be the Brazilian Trump. Mm-hmm. So there so you go, maybe- Laura. <laughs> we made it Dang, almost 10 minutes. I, yeah, I thought we were going to make it the whole episode. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Eric, I think I think you're completely right. And I was thinking the exact same thing. Do you think J.K. Rowling will shed some new light on it? Or these films will be like a cautionary tale or what? You know, J.K. Rowling usually has a way of breaking through the the political climate with like a s- solid voice or character story. I, I just don't know where she's going with this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think she definitely will. I mean, she did the exact same thing with the Potter books. So I would expect nothing less from these movies. Yeah. Yeah, it'll also be the first Wizarding World movie set or story set in the Southern Hemisphere. So that could be interesting. It could be a whole different world down there. <laughs> and um i guess the big question will be how do all no matter where the next movie is it'll be interesting to see how all the characters get there <laughs> this is moving a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> again <laughs> yeah right all right one more news story i just wanted to mention do does anyone here play hq trivia mm. i used to yeah. I don't yeah. play it as much anymore. Yeah, I kind of fell out of love with it. I was playing it every night. This is the game. It's like a live game show, and you can win money. There's a cash prize, and then let's say 10 people win. Those 10 people split the cash prize. I wanted to let everybody know they're doing a Harry Potter night or a Fantastic Beast night. We don't know the details exactly yet, but it's going to be November 14th. This is probably a sponsorship by WB. Um, and we should all participate. And if we can't beat this round of hq trivia i think we're hopeless so we should all try to see if we can win like 20 cents (laughs) because usually that's how much it ends up being once you split it amongst everybody so what you're saying is this is our next best chance after not winning the mega millions exactly okay i just i'm in i just feel like we have to be able to win this (laughs) micah you never won hq trivia right no i how many questions are there again i've gotten pretty far but not all the way to the finish line, unfortunately. I want to say 12. Yeah. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. I think I've gotten to like nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've gotten kind of close like that as well, but never won. Eric, um, how's Ivana doing on Dancing with the Stars? Well, Ivana and Keo pulled in their first 10s of the season, which is kind of cool. Uh, they're rated, of course, out of 10, and they got uh, two 10s and a 9 by Dancing a Tango to the song Disturbia. So they got a score of 29 out of 30, and they do advance to next week's show. Ivana had a busy week because she also saw Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, and interviewed the cast. <laughs> she, I don't crazy. know how she How does she have the time to do both of those things? I have no idea. <laughs> crazy. All right. Maybe Ivana's going to win this thing. And almost, uh, she's getting pretty far. How many weeks? There's only like th- three weeks left. Three? Maybe? Three Damn. or two. Yeah. Okay, good for her. I just happened to see a, a Facebook post by her this morning, and I think she said there's three weeks to go, so mm. they'll be uh, eliminating teams p- 
pretty quickly, I think, over the course of the next couple of weeks, because there's definitely more than that that are left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's call Lucas. Lucas, as evidenced by uh, what happened earlier, he's a listener of the show. He attended one of these screenings on Hello. the West Coast. Lucas, how are you? I'm good. I mean, I, I saw the movie, so <laughs> pretty much have to be good. <laughs> Lucas, um, you're on the West Coast. You attended a 7.30 a.m. screening in L.A. yesterday? It was 7 a.m. I showed up at like 5 o'clock in the morning. So. <laughs> yeah. And you were fourth in line, right? Yeah, I was the fourth, um, yeah, fourth person in line. And uh, I wish I was a little bit later because then I would have been closer to the center. Because um, the first person in line got like an edge seat. Um, oh, okay. Annoying, but yeah, it was good. So, okay, so so you saw the movie. You were kind of freaking out to me yesterday. How was it? And remember, we want to keep it spoiler free. Yeah. So, um, so first of all, my favorite Wizarding World movies before this were Fantastic Beasts one and then Deathly Hallows two. Just so people have like a baseline of where I'm coming from. Um, and I really like this one. Um, and I think it's after first impression, I think it's somewhere in between those two for me. Um, hmm. But it's possible that after repeat viewing, it will get better um, and possibly be yeah. above Fantastic Beasts 1. Um, so, first of all, it's so there's the whole protect the secrets thing, and, I, and it's actually very important. Um, there are some minor spoilers that aren't that big, but there are some things you definitely do not want to know when you go into this movie. Um, <laughs> It'll really affect your enjoyment if you um, know everything ahead of time. And I've actually been looking online mm-hmm. trying to find the main spoilers, and they're actually very, very hard to find. So, so far, people are doing a pretty good job. Um, and this is definitely a much and darker th- movie than the first one. Like, they've been saying that, but it, it is true. And and you think the things that happen by the end of this movie are, like, really going to leave the fans shook? You You were saying... Like, this stuff is so big that fans are going to be talking about this for a while. Yeah, uh, there'll definitely be some controversy about it because some fans definitely will not like it. Um, I like it, um, but it requires some thinking. And, I mean, that, that's part of what I like about it is that we'll have to theorize about a lot. Um, so it's, I mean, I, I'm really interested to see what the general fandom's response is because everyone I've talked to has been, like, mm-hmm. a super fan. I don't know if they're, like, just hyped up because they saw it early or what but um yeah it'll definitely be very interesting to hear you guys reaction once you guys see it um i can't imagine what the hell this is i i i don't want to know but it's just like wow (laughs) yeah um yeah i I do have some complaints about the movie though um so some of the characters make decisions that i don't think line up very well with their personalities at least as their personalities are established in the first fantastic beast but Mm mm-hmm I mean, that's also kind of debatable. Um, I just personally think that, so that's just me. There's two characters in particular, which I'm not going to say, but I um, can't really say anything else about that, but that's just a thought I have. Um, yeah. And then there's something that I won't mention, but I know Hypeable wrote an article about this the other day that annoyed me. Um, not The article uh-huh. didn't annoy me, the decision in the movie did. Um, so yeah, if anyone knows right. what I'm talking about, that's... Not, yeah, yeah, not and we're not going to talk about that on this week's episode because it is very spoiler, uh, obviously. But I think we're all going to have a lot to say about that particular leak. Leak by WB, by the way. That wasn't 
<laughs> yeah, you know, that was... they're sitting here being like protect the secrets, and then they're releasing the these these documents that reveal things. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's one of my that's my main complaint, actually, that particular thing. But like, I really have no reason to no way to defend that particular decision. Yeah. But... Moving on. Um, one thing. Yeah. One thing I asked you yesterday. We've been kind of concerned that the movie might just be a mess because it seems like there's so many characters and a lot of plot lines going on. But you found the movie to actually be pretty easy to follow and coherent. Yeah, but, but I mean, it's also coming from someone that knew a lot going in. Like I knew about who all the characters were, um, and I knew what their motivations were, at least according to all the marketing materials. Um, mm-hmm. There was one confusing plot point that I still don't fully understand, but that's just because it was not really glossed over, but I didn't have time to take it in. Um, and it's a pretty big plot point, but it's not like emphasized that much. Um, and I'm looking forward to getting the script book because I want to be able to read what's actually being said exactly in the, some of the scenes. Um, but that will also get better under peak viewings. And that is also one of the things that people will be theorizing about between the movies, I think. Um, Hmm. I can't say what it is because spoiler. Um, and then I also, another complaint was I think some of the characters were underused. Like there are, I mean, there are so many characters and the movie's only so long. Um, but I think there are certain characters that could have been in the movie more. Um, but I guess they probably will be in future movies. So it's not that big of a deal. Um, yeah. But I mean, overall, I really liked it. And this has been said by like I think everyone that's seen it, but Jude Law and Eddie Redmayne were fantastic, um, and all the people from the first movie that were good were still just as good. Um, and Johnny Depp was better How... than I expected. Um, okay, so that was uh, good. He, I mean, he, in one scene, he kind of embodied Hitler in a way, um, which I think is what he should be doing, considering I feel like Grindelwald's supposed to be Hitler essentially. Um, yeah. Okay. Do do you guys uh, have any questions? Yeah, I have one. Uh, this is more for Eric's peace of mind, but <laughs> were there enough beasts throughout the course of the film? Yes. Did there, you feel comfortable with that? There were a lot of beasts. So. Okay. Um, that's. that's Anyone worried about that? Do you be worried? Do you like the title of the movie? Now, having seen the movie, does the title make sense for this? I mean, yeah. It's not like the best title, <laughs> but it. I mean, it's really generic, like. Like, there's not, I mean, the plot of the movie barely ties to the title. It's just, like, generic. So, my big question is, you mentioned it's a darker movie. Mm-hmm. But is it a bleak movie? Is it joyless? Is it? Uh, no. There's some entertaining scenes. Uh, I mean, people laughed at several points during the movie. Um, <laughs> but there are some just dark themes going on. Uh, okay. okay. So, I, all right. Well, we'll, it, we'll yeah. leave it there, Lucas. Thank you so much for uh, yeah, letting us speak to you this early seven twenty yeah, no out on the West Coast, yeah. and uh, talk to you soon. Yeah. Okay. See ya. All right. Bye. <laughs> I love Lucas. Good. Good member of the fandom. But uh, hey, everybody. Next time, ne- you know, next movie, Fantastic Beast: The Crimes of Dumbledore. Let us know about these early screenings. So we can go, too. <laughs> oh, we didn't ask him how he found out about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what? He he found, he just, he told me, he just, he had seen a tweet on Twitter. Oh. Yeah. 
All right. So how do those things work, though? You just show up and whoever the first however many people are get in or he he showed up super early because he's like wanted to make sure he got a great seat, I think. But he got a ticket reserved in advance through the Internet. There was a there was a web link that somebody sent me over Twitter. It was like you you had to click on it. It was uh, an official page with all the screening cities and all it. you had to click get passes and then like kind of pre-register. Mm hmm. I think it was free. Yeah, it was easy. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to voicemails now. This one responds to last week's chapter by chapter. Hi, MuggleCast. This is Kelly from Massachusetts. I'm calling about why I think Hermione confunded Cormac. This book is hugely about the development of Ron and Hermione's relationship. And I saw this moment as Hermione trying to do something nice for Ron because she has feelings for him and not wanting to see an anti-Ron like Cormac take his spot on the Quidditch team. I'm not saying what she did was right. I think she just wanted to make Ron happy. Thanks for listening. Love the show. Bye, guys. That's a great point that I didn't think of. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I always thought it was. Hmm. Well, we should have had you on last week. (laughs) (laughs) You just needed that feminine perspective. Yes, yes. (laughs) The voice of reason missing. Oh, man, that's a throwback. (laughs) All right. Next voicemail. Hi, Mogul Class. This is Summer calling from New York. I just had two quick things I wanted to talk about. So I'm on student council at my school, and we did trick-or-treating um, for the grades 5 through 12, and we were I was listening to some old episodes where we were talking about how alive Harry Potter still is, and I was just so excited to see that, like, one in probably 20 of the students were dressed as something from Harry Potter, which I just thought was so fun. I even saw a girl who had her hair dyed red to be Ginny, a few Dementors. It was just super fun to see, like, how alive it still is. And the second thing is I'm on the Model UN team for my school, which is Model United Nations, and you randomly get assigned a country that you have to represent, and I got assigned Albania, and the only thing I know about Albania is that that was where Voldemort went into exile, so the conference is tomorrow. Uh, Wish me luck. I might bring that up if I can, and I'll let you know if it does me any good. Um, Just wanted to talk about those two things real quick. Thank you for everything you do. Bye-bye. Summer, I hope it went well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would be a good That's icebreaker funny. so honestly the only thing i know about albania is that voldemort hung out there for a little while um did did any of us see any harry potter costumes out over halloween you know i didn't see too many kids trick-or-treating this year which really kind of made me feel discouraged mm-hmm. but i saw a number of adults that did harry potter costumes yeah <laughs> does that count yeah of course <laughs> i did a harry potter hat stall last year I was an undecided Hogwarts student, so like I was wearing all four, four houses uh, mem- uh, clothing, but I didn't do anything this year. I'm embarrassed to say. Mm. This was the year that a bunch of friends on my timeline all just trotted out their Harry Potter gear and went <laughs> as Harry Potter students. Uh, so that, that was cool, uh, and I reused my my old costume as well uh, this year. So, but actually, J.K. Rowling retweeted. She spent basically the whole day uh, on Halloween retweeting fun costumes from a a lot of like babies as baby mandrakes which was really really cool um a lot of like the dad is hagrid with baby harry kind of thing so and then even some dogs uh, Mm -hmm. actually a lot of people did harry potter costumes on their dogs this year yeah so definitely on jk rowling's twitter is probably a a pick of the crop yeah I'm with Laura. I saw a lot of adults dressed up in different uh, Harry Potter costumes. Not as many kids. So 
maybe it's just I'm not in an area that has a lot of kids mm-hmm. trick or treating, but uh, it still seems to be very, very popular. So. I prefer seeing the adults dress up as Harry Potter characters, and uh, like Summer said, it is nice to see that people are still so passionate about Harry Potter to the point that they want to dress up to be one of the characters. Yeah. It's it's great. You really don't see many fandoms <clears throat> uh, or people being so so proud of their fandom. After all these years, after the core series has ended, of course, there might be a lot of Harry Potter costumes this year as well, since Fantastic Beasts is about to come out, and we're going back to Hogwarts and all that. So, All right, here's a uh, pitch from one of our listeners. Hey, MuggleCast, this is Sean from Naperville. I've been married for about eight years, so I haven't heard pickup lines in a while, but I went out with some uh, single friends last night, and I heard a great one. It's probably old, but it was... Uh, I'm a muggle in the street, but a Slytherin in the sheets. What do you think? Bye. <laughs> How did that pan out? We need to uh, know the success rate of that uh, pickup line. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing not too well. Yeah. One of our listeners uh, needs to try that and let us know. But I, I also asked on Twitter, what's your favorite Harry Potter pickup line? <laughs> Somebody said, all, all one word. I was wondering if you'd like to go to the ball with me. Or <laughs> want to go to the ball with me? I like this one for Mariah. Is your first name Luna? Because you look like you love good. <laughs> I wonder if anybody has tried that on Ivana. <laughs> mm. Is This one's appropriate for this week's episode. Is your name Mundungus Fletcher? Because you've stolen my heart. <laughs> oh, that's so timely. Yeah. Not so romantic, though. Dung isn't very romantic. This one's dirty. I apologize. One night with Maine, they'll be calling you Moaning Myrtle. <laughs> <laughs> any of you have any that you like to use? This one here from uh, Caitlin isn't that bad. Did you just drink Felix Felicis because you're about to get lucky? <laughs> this one. Um, hmm? I like this one from Justin. Can I slither into your chamber of secrets? <laughs> <laughs> that's the one i think i hear the most it's funny yeah uh is that a wanton in your pocket or are you just happy to see me i don't get mm. it i don't get that one you're just an innocent child andrew yeah uh here's um, one. And then olivia uh go ahead eric are you a snitch because you're the finest catch here <laughs> along the same lines olivia said do you play quidditch no that's a shame because you're you'd be a total keeper Oh, I like it. I cannot imagine using pickup lines, period. <laughs> I would just bomb so badly. Yeah. Maybe over like Tinder or something, but that's it. All right. Um, here is uh, another voicemail. Hi there. This is uh, David calling from Canada. I was just listening to the episode um, where you covered the House of Gaunt chapter in Half-Blood Prince. It uh, just suddenly occurred to me that um, a lot of the conversations between Gaunt and uh, and uh, their family is all in Parseltongue. And while we know it as a reader, because uh, Harry understands it, um, I don't believe Dumbledore uh, speaks Parseltongue. So just wondering um, whether Dumbledore was able to uh, draw the conclusions that he did just by the context of the situation, because all the conversation about um, Gaunt, uh, realizing that his daughter, uh, has a crush on a muggle was all in parcel tongue. So, 
Um, not sure how Dumbarter would have been able to understand that conversation. Um, so maybe he's a closet parcel tongue? Probably not, but uh, uh, yeah, just came to my mind. Thought that was an interesting detail. Look forward to hearing your thoughts. Thanks so much. There have been... I did some Googling. There have been a few theories. My guess would have just been like, Dumbledore kind of knew the type of situation he was getting into when entering this scene and kind of could just use context clues to figure out what was being said exactly. I agree. It was something I also wondered when we were reading the chapter last week and going through that scene. Um, It was just uh, surprising to me that he would be able to understand what was going on. And he kind of gave Harry that recognition of, yes, he is speaking Parseltongue. Good job, Harry. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, he just could be the fact that he's so old and he's so wise that he just learned it over time. Even if he doesn't have that Slytherin blood in him, he just, he's Dumbledore. Yeah. So so maybe he can understand it, but not speak it himself. Right. I, and I think, do we know that what was being said was absolutely crucial to what was going on in that particular scene? I mean, I think he was just trying to get a sense of who Voldemort's family was, more so than just really understand what was being said back and forth yeah. between the family members. There were no secrets that were that were being divulged there. I agree. All right, and uh, let's end on a voicemail that Micah really wanted us to listen to. Well, can I, in advance, I'll just say, Laura, back in the day, used to be a, a big um, fan you, fiction. You, you were writer. very much immersed in the the fan fiction world, right, Laura? Oh yeah. <laughs> so we thought, or I thought, it would be only appropriate yeah. that we would play this voicemail and get your analysis and your thoughts. Maybe you even heard this one back in the day. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Hey, what's going on? Uh, crazy Harry Potter theory and prediction for you guys. Curious to hear what, what you guys think. Um, <clears throat> I think that Dobby and Draco are more connected <laughs> than what meets the eye. I think... Because they both have five letters in their name, and they both start with the letter D, and I think the D is exactly what Dobby gave Draco's mom, and that Dobby is really Draco's dad, because Lucius can't handle that body, you know what I'm saying? So I'm curious to hear what you guys think, if Dobby's actually Draco's dad, that's why Lucius kissed Dobby, they both five letters, D... And given the D, Dobby, my man. <laughs> All right, I'll hang up and listen. Uh, okay, first question: What was this listener's name? He did not introduce himself. I don't think there was. I think okay. I know why. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, whatever that is that you have, I want some of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, it would not be the most outrageous piece of fan fiction I ever read. Um, we never got too much into this on the show, but I, I read fan fiction, um, submissions from people who were trying to get their stuff published on MuggleNet fan fiction from people who shipped, uh, Minerva McGonagall and the giant squid, um, (laughs) Ron and a hamster. Oh, um, of course, tons of like, 
uh, like Snape and Hermione type stuff, you know. So this, I mean, this would fall right into the wheelhouse of a lot of the writers who submitted things. Um, So depending on the quality of the writing, I would say I would maybe accept it. Wow. All right. You know, if, if if the heart and soul of your theory is there, then go for it. Wow. Inspiring words from Laura. So, caller, maybe you should write something now. Just, you know, get back to that level that you were at when you called us and put pen to paper. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I just wish I was with him. I wish I could be watching him in that moment when he was like, I'm going to look up the MuggleCast hotline (laughs) and call in with this. It was like an epiphany, right? (laughs) Yeah. It clicked. <laughs> Maybe like Chamber of Secrets was on in the background. Deathly Hallows, one of those movies with Dobby and Lucius. All right, Micah. Not sure how I'm going to follow that, <laughs> but I'm going to try. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Away. Inspired by true travel stories, Away asks thousands of people how they pack, why they travel, and what bugs them the most about their luggage. Then they designed a bag that solved a few old problems like sticky wheels and a few new ones like dead cell phones. Away uses high quality materials while offering a much lower price compared to other brands by cutting out the middleman and selling directly to you. Now, MuggleCast listeners can choose from a variety of colors and sizes. Uh, all suitcases are made with premium German polycarbonate, unrivaled in strength and impact resistance. They're also very lightweight. The interior features a patent-pending compression system, helpful for overpackers, four 360-degree spinner wheels that guarantee a smooth ride. I know whenever I'm in the airport and I have my luggage prior to having away, I would be dragging it behind me you know, and, and hitting myself in the back of the foot. I don't know if anybody else has done that, but I used to do that all the time. It's the worst, especially when the suitcase is heavy. It actually hurts me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's also a TSA-approved combination lock and a removable, washable laundry bag. But, Andrew, I know the thing that you love the most about the Away Bag is that they have the ability to charge your cell phone, your tablet, your e-reader, and anything else that's powered by a USB cord. Yeah, it's got two USB ports right in the suitcase, right at the top, so you can easily charge while you're sitting there waiting for your flight or while you have your suitcase next to you in the car or something like that. I use it all the time. It's so convenient. And you don't have to carry a battery around with you because it's built into the suitcase. I use it all the time as well while I'm traveling. makes it easy to get work done. And then getting it right on the plane and stowing it overhead, it's an easy fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, best part about all of this, there's a lifetime warranty, a 100-day free trial, and free shipping on any away order within the lower 48 states. And the carry-on sizes are compliant with all major U.S. airlines. So MogoCast listeners get $20 off a suitcase. All you have to do is visit awaytravel.com slash MogoCast and use promo code MogoCast during checkout. Great holiday gift, too, by the way. Yeah. I got one of these for Christmas a couple years ago. I was like, oh, my gosh. I, I love it. All right. So this week we're discussing Half-Blood Prince Chapter 12, Silver and Opals. Opals? Opals? Opals. 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 And Laura, we're going to kick things off with the seven word summary. I think you understand how this works. There's no take backs. We're doing it on the fly. It's either going to be good, bad, or somewhere in between. (laughs) Could be stupid, could be funny. Who knows? So, wait, just a quick clarifying question. 
are we creating like a sentence that has semantic coherence or That's, are we just throwing random buzzwords out? It should be coherent. Okay. That's the plan, but it might not turn out that okay, way. Okay. Got yeah. you. That's the I fun of it. I will do my best. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Micah? Draco. Is. Trying. Out. Poisoned. Necklaces. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> I thought that was close to what I was hoping you would say, which was today. Draco's trying wow. out poison necklaces today. Yeah. But hooray. That's hooray. good. <laughs> hooray. He wants to kill somebody. Yay. Uh. So um, with Dumbledore seemingly out of town, Harry doesn't really know where he is. Harry is still enjoying his advanced potion making book, the author of which he is, who is still a mystery. Um, and what's interesting in this chapter in regards to this book is that Harry's trying out self-invented spells that the Half-Blood Prince created. Um, there's the hex that caused toenails to grow fast. There's the jinx that glues tongues to the roof, roof of a mouth. There's muffalado, <laughs> a spell that filled the ears of anyone nearby with a buzzing, which I think would just be kind of torturous if you couldn't get that out of your ears. Although in the <laughs> book, it's like, it's to have privacy during a conversation. But like that would drive people crazy and then levicorpus the nonverbal spell that he accidentally uses on ron um but micah you were wondering like it's kind of surprising that snape didn't catch on to him doing this practicing these yeah i well not only that i mean my big point about this whole part of the chapter is that harry is going beyond potions at this point it's not just using it to do well in class like he's trying out these spells on his classmates he's trying them out on filch you he who knows what he could have ended up doing to ron he has no context for what these i mean maybe there's a little bit here and there but some of these others that he's trying out i mean he could seriously injure somebody <laughs> yeah. or worse and again we don't know who the half blood prince is for so for all we know this could be a Tom Riddle, Voldemort situation all over again. <laughs> yeah, this this is Harry completely disregarding all of the advice he's gotten to this point, and actually doubling down on admiring the Half Blood Prince. It's actually fun to see J.K. Rowling's word choice, um, you know, because he Harry is becoming obsessed at this point. Uh, she uses words like "oh, inventive," like th these are really creative spells, and Harry just can't wait to try them on unsuspecting people. Filch. Filch can't defend himself. Harry's kind of a dick. Yeah. I thought the same thing when I was reading this. And it particularly hits home when you get to the section where Harry sort of imagines or muses that his father might have been the Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. yeah. He's totally trying to romanticize it. And I was reading this like, God, I am so with Hermione right now. Yeah. <laughs> This could have been a good way for Draco to kill Dumbledore. Like, he could have planted this book with spells in it that could kill Dumbledore. <laughs> there could have been a spell, like, you know, not Avada Kedavra, but something more uh, discreet that Harry wouldn't understand. And then the description next to it could have been like, present in front of the headmaster of the school. And then Harry just mm -hmm. goes and does it and kills him. <laughs> right. But, 
What about what he does to Ron, though? Because he does love a corpus, and I don't know that he knew that it was going to do anything to anybody, but, you know, Ron gets suspended up in the air, and then he's like, oh, I'm going to try this counter jinx that I hope works. Like, <laughs> I don't even know that it's necessarily for this spell to reverse it. And it's just, I don't know. I think he's playing with fire a little bit. He is. I'll defend Harry there, though, because for a, when there's a jinx, there's always a counter jinx, right? In most cases. And what, what else is it going to do? Send Ron higher into the air? Who knows? Who knows? But there's, there's clues everywhere here. We, we just mentioned um, Harry wondering if it was his father who wrote this book because um, James had done the same spell on Snape. But uh, Hermione at one point says it doesn't seem as though he was a very nice person, the Half-Blood yeah. Prince. Okay, there's a Snape clue. Ron said to Hermione, you just don't like that he's better at potions than you. <laughs> kind of a reminder that this is a potions expert who wrote wrote the notes in this book. And uh, then the line about Harry's dad. On the other hand, the prince has proved a much more effective teacher than Snape so far. <laughs> 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 and that's to throw the reader off the case. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm... Um, so let's talk about these self-invented spells, though. It, it reminded me that we actually don't know how a spell is created. At least J.K. Rowling has never explained it herself. I did some reading online to <clears throat> check out some theories. And one that I really liked is the idea that it's like cracking a code where you must combine some Latin, some motive, some wand direction, which sometimes is meaningful, like Wingardium Leviosa, you bring the spell upward, so you want to make it float. Um, is it just putting together the pieces until you find the right combination? Yeah. How do you guys think it works? Um, I, I think it works just like that. If you notice, like in the book, a couple of times, certain words or prefixes or suffixes are, are crossed out um, until it's gotten just right. I think that's what it is. It's basically like it's not inventing a spell so much as discovering it. Mm -hmm. But you're like it's kind of like being co-created. So the spell always existed if you knew what it was kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. I think of it in terms of how uh, we invent like pharmaceuticals or come up with, you know, medical breakthroughs. They've always been there. We just haven't found them yet. Mm -hmm. This could be a big career for somebody i feel like and you would think that there would be some sort of department at the ministry or elsewhere in the wizarding world that's dedicated to finding these spells um it seems very important to know them all yeah that actually i wonder if there's you know like a standard wizard dictionary of like all the spells you can do kind of um like I'm thinking about how the Oxford English Dictionary adds a couple words every year that there would be this department at the ministry, like you're saying the department of discovering new spells or, you know, if it were a ministry name, it would probably be 10 times longer, but um, basically to like come up with and inform the public of what these spells are. Mm -hmm. um, and another life Snape could have been, you know, if, if Hogwarts didn't work out, if being a potions teacher didn't work out, he could have probably had a job where he was just discovering spells because I was also looking at a list of people we know who have quote unquote invented spells and Snape, as far as we know, has discovered slash invented more than anyone else. Who are the others on that list? 
oh like random people i dumbledore has a couple but then there's like several just people we hear once and then never again yeah because i was gonna say there's kind of a the the cross between what snape does in potions and him being the half-blood prince inventing these spells seems to be that snape's personality lends itself to like having a lot of patience right Mm -hmm. like figuring out what the best ingredient is in a potion is not dissimilar from figuring out what the suffix is on a spell like it's just it takes a certain personality to kind of stew (laughs) on uh you know what what the correct answer is or a solution Mm -hmm. uh korean so so we asked on patreon.com slash mugglecast how do you think a spell is created or discovered korean i hope i'm pronouncing your name right says i feel like it has to be a mixture of trial and error and also intent behind the spell like the right incantation or wand movement has to be discovered but the ability for the magic to be manipulated in such a way already exists owen says i doubt somebody could just stumble across a spell i think intent is necessary you have to know what the desired result is and then once you know you choose an incantation that will help you achieve the same result in the future karen says silly people spells are made like honey by spelling bees ah (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i just thought that was interesting and like that that seems like such a huge area of the wizarding world we really don't know anything about yet spell creation i would love to hear jk rowling's thoughts on it i thought for fun we could each create a spell and the theme here is one that snape could use one we think like he really needs in his life uh mine is lusa buttress it unclenches (laughs) one's butt and relieves severe stubbornness (laughs) what's yours eric uh mine i don't know if snape would use this because it's kind of helpful but uh i came up with blanketus it's a wave of comforting warmth that spreads over your body because he needs love yeah, because it's uh, like really cold, and this chapter is very uh, nippy and windy and bitter. <laughs> nippy. I'm like, yeah, they, I'm like people. I'm reading this chapter. I'm like, people just need blankets. Well, especially blankets. down in the potions room dungeon. Oh yeah. Uh, mine is one that I think that somebody should actually use on Snape. It's Exus Ultimus, and it makes someone cry their years of trauma out. <laughs> oh man. How did you come up with the incantation? Uh, I took the Latin root for cry. (laughs) Oh, darn. I was like, I need something with the word butt in it. (laughs) (laughs) You always do. It's fine. (laughs) This show just got so much smarter. Uh, And I went with uh, Redushify. I think it's pretty (laughs) self-explanatory. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the trio head to Hogsmeade and they bump into Slughorn who tries to invite Harry to one of his slug club meetings again. And Harry makes up an excuse, but Hermione actually, she's kind of into them at this point. She's like, oh, you should really come to them. They're, they're fun. You should, you should appear sometime. It's interesting that Hermione has come to actually like these. And I'm wondering why. Is it because she likes the social aspect or is it something like she gets to hear all these conversations about older families or maybe get some intel about what's happening in the wizarding world why does she like these isn't it 
I mean, for me, I, I think we've pointed out a couple times throughout the years doing these chapter by chapters, but there's very few kind of social clubs at Hogwarts. There's very few opportunities for these students, especially if they're not in the same Hogwarts house, to interact with their peers um, outside of class. And I think that Hermione would probably just really appreciate the perspective that that being in the slug club is like i think she'd agree that it's flawed that it's very like kind of elitist but she also doesn't often get recognition for her actual intelligence like she's one of the few people who earned her spot in the slug club and i think she's kind of proud of herself for for distinguishing herself in that way Mm-hmm. um I mean, if you look at her two best friends, too, like, they rarely, except when needed, appreciate her brilliance. So uh, I think that she is kind of taking the opportunity to allow herself to pat herself on the back for being part of this club. And then there's also just, like, the general social aspect of interacting with people who are also distinguished. It's kind of like a cool idea. In theory, the slug club is just run by Slughorn, who's corrupt or, you know, ill-advised. it's kind of like the cool kids group and I could see Hermione connecting that with that as well because of course early in the series she's an outcast. She doesn't have anybody to uh, be friends with and then of course in that first book Hermione's really struggling to um, become friends with Harry and Ron um, so to suddenly be invited to such a prestigious group would feel good. Yeah, yeah I think the invitation aspect part of it plays a role Um, Hermione seems to have some, I don't know, maybe anxiety surrounding the fact that she's not usually the first person people think to ask or invite to things. Mm -hmm. And she very clearly wants to be included. So I think this is an area where she just feels like there is an intention of including her in something. And so she's taking ownership of that, and she's trying to encourage Harry to take part in it because she doesn't think it's all that bad. And perhaps she sees his snubbing of the slug club as like sort of an indictment mm. of it, and therefore of like her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on, Harry, don't insult my cool group. Mm-hmm. But Harry doesn't like that attention either, so I can understand why he doesn't want to right. appear. Yeah, isn't it weird that Harry's now avoiding Slughorn, given what comes comes up later in this book? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Harry's Harry's going to great lengths in this chapter to avoid Slughorn. He's scheduling practices on top of uh, the Slug Club dinners. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. So again, we're at Hogsmeade. At, we're in Hogsmeade, and the trio go into the Three Broomsticks, and they run into Mundungus and Aberforth. Is he mentioned? Did I miss that? It, yeah, the, the Harry recognized the barman of the Hogshead, the pub across town. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Aberforth was just buying stuff off of Mundungus. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. they're exchanging items right when Harry walks up. Um, but Aberforth does not stay to chat. So I don't know if he got, like, some goat tonic I, he needs to administer or what, but... I don't think so. I, I can't remember, though, is... Aberforth doing this now at sort of the request of his brother? I think he's like a free agent, kind of. Like, he'll report stuff to his brother, but I don't think he's specifically... Like, I I mean, he gets the mirror, but I don't think he gets the mirror because it's uh, like Dumbledore's will that he does. I think he just happens to 
have it. I don't know. I think he's legit buying from Dung, but if anybody comes into his tavern, he'll like, you know, give his brother a heads up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure we ever get a firm answer to that, Micah. But um, so Harry sees this going on and he's pissed that Mundungus is selling some of Sirius's, now Harry's, belongings and he vows to tell Dumbledore. Um, but I do believe in this scene, he did buy the two-way mirror. Like, I do think that this mm-hmm. is that particular scene. Mm. And uh, how, how, how about the shout out to like the two second Tonks? <laughs> She's there to defuse the fight, but then disappears immediately as soon as they go into the building. Like Tonks shows up, but is barely, I don't know. She's just there at a, at a crucial moment. Yeah. Well, she's distant this entire book, isn't she? Yeah. Just she's sad of, tonks in this book. He, yeah. Yeah. But Harry's just like, he's nicking Sirius's stuff. Um, yeah. And Tonks doesn't really care. <laughs> no. Because she's not really sad about Sirius. I mean, she is, but that's mm-hmm. not, you know. Um, And so as they head back to Hogwarts, Katie, ahead of them, is opening up the package she was imperious into bringing back to school and then it sends her up in the air and the trio report what they saw to mcgonagall and mcgonagall and you know again harry is convinced that draco is up to something bad here and harry tells mcgonagall his draco theory and mcgonagall says well no um draco was with me in detention so that throws harry off it also throws the reader off because it's getting really confusing um still though someone was looking to get something cursed and purchased at borgen and burke's no less into the castle and as we later learn i just wanted to mention this now for context draco imperious madame rosmerta who imperious katie and then the plan was for the necklace to get to dumbledore and kill him on contact but the reason didn't kill katie was because she was wearing gloves on a winter's day and only touched an extremely small part of it through a hole in her glove. So it sent her into the air screaming. Um, the idea, Draco's idea was that by giving it to Katie, Katie would give it to Filch and say it was a gift from Rosemerta to Dumbledore. And that would bypass Filch's secrecy sensor because remember he was checking everybody. But given Filch's assignment to use the secrecy sensor in the first place, how could Draco be sure that Filch wouldn't scan it for dark magic? Right. That doesn't seem like a solid plan to me. Well, most of what Draco does in this book is not solid planning because he doesn't actually want to be doing it. Yeah. He's scared. So you agree with Dumbledore's assessment that his heart isn't really in it? Yes. Because, I mean, mm. he's he's committing an unforgivable curse, like imperiousing, not to mention where he learned to do it, but to imperious Madame Rosmerta for, I think, a prolonged period of time is pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he's being peer pressured and bullied into it by his parents, his aunt, Voldemort even. Um, so he's scared of them, but he's also scared of doing something that he can't take back. So I think he's doing these things very half-heartedly. Yeah. If I was Draco in this point in the series, I probably would have just run away and waited for this wizarding war to come to an end. Go, go to Rio. <laughs> 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 
one question though I did have about this particular part though is what's up with the security? Not just the filch part, but this is all taking place in Hogsmeade and presumably there are aurors there. It doesn't seem like a lot is really being done in the way of security to prevent against all this from happening. Yeah, like they probably shouldn't have been going to Hogsmeade in the first place, right? Because that's an... Yeah, but almost going back to one of the earlier chapters where uh, Harry gets stuck on the train because Draco finds him and stuns him and leaves him there with a broken nose, there should have been like bells and alarms and all these other things going off the second Harry didn't even get off the train. So... I almost think of the same thing here where in Hogsmeade you have this kind of activity going on and, and nobody's paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I don't know if it's just Tonks's responsibility. Doesn't she have two other oars who are with her? Yeah. Dollish and uh proud foot or proud strong or some proud heart. Something like that. Oh yeah. Pad Savage foot. and proud foot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I feel I feel like instead of Filch having a secrecy sensor, which like in the movie it looks like a metal detec- detector, mm. like one that he holds, it there should be like airport metal detectors that are secrecy sensors where you, sensors where you have to walk through to get anything through because one person checking everybody isn't very secure. It's yeah. probably very easy to bypass him, and I know there are other precautions at the castle, but if if you can walk by. If if Draco seems to think even a little bit that this plan might work, then the uh, security at Hogwarts is flawed. Well, it's kind of always been flawed, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> none of, it's a none mess. of these stories could happen if it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and then, of course, the Vanishing Cabinet is one big flaw. <laughs> Well, you know, people keep, I guess it's it's probably like a good literary technique, but people always are talking about how safe Hogwarts is, how that's the only place, you know, especially when Dumbledore is there, that Voldemort can't attack. He only dares attack it, like, when he's reached the height of his power at the end of the next book. And it kind of gives us this false sense of security. And I remember reading this for the first time, and I, I was genuinely surprised at the reveal of the vanishing cabinet like i thought it was cool and clever how draco manages to bypass hogwarts security so i i did think it was like a satisfying enough mystery uh at the time of of how to because hogwarts is secure it's just the the plot of these books is all about finding the ways around it the notion of sort of this narrative that Hogwarts is the safest place to be, it, it reminds me of the way that a lot of us in the West think about our countries. Um, I can't speak for England because I'm not from there, but I think about the U.S. And oftentimes the narrative is that the U.S. is the safest place to be. We have the best protections, blah, blah, blah. And there have been several events to prove that that's not necessarily true. Right. But, so I don't know if that was an intentional parallel she wrote in there. Yeah. Well, like you say, without these loopholes, a lot of these elements and these stories wouldn't happen. Um, but part of the fun of, of, of being a reader is trying to figure out, well, how are they penetrating the security of the castle? And in the case of this necklace, now I feel like, let's say that this necklace did get to Dumbledore. 
he would have backed away, right? He wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. Or would he have fallen for it if he heard it was a no. gift? No. No. <laughs> He would he would have used his uh, blackened hand to open it. It's this way he would have been okay. Oh, you think so? You think that uh, that would have saved him? No, I, I would agree with what you. I don't think he would have opened it in the first place. I, I, it goes back to kind of what Laura was saying earlier. Like Draco is still a teenager. Like he's his approach to doing all this is very juvenile, and and I think like that comes out later between the confrontation uh, the, or the confrontation between Dumbledore and Draco on the tower, like. He's just a kid, and 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 his attempts reflect that. Mm-hmm. I don't think somebody as wise as Dumbledore is going to fall for a mysterious package in the mail. Mm-hmm. But this was partly Voldemort's idea, wasn't it? The mm-hmm. necklace. I don't know if Voldemort has the time to deal with such low-level plans. Right? Like, I can very much see him being the one to say, "Your mission is to kill Dumbledore." I don't care how you do it. Just do it. Mm-hmm. So this could have been something that Bellatrix helped Draco come up with. Or he yeah. could have come up with it on his own. Yeah. To push back on that, though, I mean, is it low level for Voldemort if we're talking about killing Dumbledore here? Like, that seems like an important part of this plan to work out. Yeah, I just don't think he cares how it's done. Okay. I think the logistics and the details of it don't matter. Mm-hmm. Did Dumbledore, did Voldemort know that Dumbledore was gay? Did he think Dumbledore was going to want to put on this necklace? I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. It, do, do gay men have a penchant for wearing opal necklaces? Um, well, that's what I'm asking here. Maybe, maybe, maybe Voldemort knows something that we don't about what Dumbledore likes to do. Look, just the theory. I'm trying to examine all angles here, okay? I, I tend to think he that should Voldemort have clearly sent him a pair of socks. <laughs> <laughs> that kill. What are you going to say, Eric? I tend to think that Voldemort just kind of gave Draco the generic order of kill Dumbledore, and Draco had to was responsible for the particulars. Mm-hmm. So that's why Draco went into Borgen and Burks and said, okay, hey, I need something here. Yeah. Maybe. Um, Maybe, but I mean, it, it is Draco's idea, I think, because he boasts about it, um, to use the vanishing cabinet. It's just that took the longest. Yeah. So in the meantime, he's like, well, send a cursed necklace. He is, bless him, I think he is, like, trying, trying, mm-hmm. um, at least on the surface level. Yeah. All right. So that's pretty much the chapter. Pretty straightforward chapter. Not the most exciting stuff happening, uh, but we do see some dark magic happening. And, uh, yeah, damn you, Draco. So we are going to do Connecting the Threads and MVP of the Week and rename the chapter. But first, it's time for a word from another sponsor. Fall is here, and with winter around the corner, you might be finding it a little difficult to leave the house, to run errands, or head to the gym. And after a long day at work, it's hard enough heading back out to work out. And the colder weather doesn't make it any easier, especially if you're up in the Scottish Highlands. Taking your broom out... In the cold? Can't be very fun. This is why you need to try Beachbody On Demand. While their name has Beachbody in the title, this isn't about getting you a magazine cover Beachbody. This is about giving your body the exercise that it needs and deserves. We're all moving less than ever, and we're busier than ever, so we need a workout solution that fits our schedule and budget. 
This is where Beachbody On Demand comes in. You can give yourself fantastic workouts in the comfort of your own home. I was so excited when they decided to sponsor us because I know they work. My boyfriend has been using them for years, and I can report that, yes, it is possible to work out at home and receive results that are going to make you feel good about yourself. Eric, you've been using it too, right? Yeah. I think you started using it again recently. Yes, I did. And uh, right now I'm doing some of the yoga. Ooh. I've been doing Beachbody Yoga Studio with uh, Autumn Calabrese and many others, and I found it to be really useful. It's just very peaceful. I've converted the front room uh, in my apartment to actually like this whole like sun room yoga studio thing oh work out in there now it's really great stuff yeah uh pat uses 80 day obsession i uh, which i did with him yesterday i like the workouts that focus on having fun so i'm a big fan of the dance workout programs no matter what type of fitness experience you have though there's a workout program on here for you there are hundreds of effective workouts for all fitness levels ranging from bodybuilding to weight training to cardio to as eric said yoga I really want you to try Beachbody On Demand because it's the solution for getting in shape on your time at a price point that is affordable. And right now, we have an awesome offer for our listeners. Right now, our listeners can get a special free trial membership, including their new 14-day results plan, when you, where you can lose up to 9 pounds in the first two weeks when you text MuggleCast to 303030. You will get full access to this entire platform for free. All the workouts, the nutrition information, the results plan to get you super fast results and support totally free. Again, just text MuggleCast to 303030. Give it a try. Let us know what you think. All right. So um, connecting the threads this week, there was a big one. That darn necklace. Harry <laughs> saw it in Chamber of Secrets when he accidentally went to Borgen and Burks instead of Diagon Alley. Diagonally. Diagonally. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, what Did is... Did J.K. Rowling... Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. What is the point of this necklace? You can't like you can't even put it on. You can't even admire yourself in the mirror without it killing you. Like what what is the who's the intended recipient of this? I don't mean like right now we know that, but w- like what is the or what if we had to make up the origin story? Right, what was it made for? Yeah. To be a murder weapon. <sighs> yeah. But like why does it still exist? Like there's a note on it that said yeah, it killed like 18 muggles or something like that. So <laughs> Borgen and Burke should be put out of business. They're selling things that kill people. Why does the ministry let such a place exist? That's a good question. Especially now, they should be shut down. Yeah. So amazingly, J.K. Rowling included this in Chamber of Secrets very briefly, and then it comes into play four books later. Have to again, have to again ask ourselves if she plotted it like this i think so yeah i think harry potter is a total frame narrative in which goblet of fire serves as the centerpiece and books one and seven uh two and six and three and five correspond Mm -hmm. nolan who's listening live says it's a collector's item some rich pure blood asshole just wants to put it on a shelf (laughs) yeah fair point (laughs) evelyn also brings up a good point why are there gun shops oh (laughs) yeah really good point (laughs) in the wizarding world uh constitution does it say uh the right to bear necklaces necklaces deadly necklaces (laughs) everybody vote tomorrow yes um all right time now for mvp of the week micah who's yours 
I went with good old Hagrid. Mm-hmm. Why? Coming through in the clutch, grabbing Katie, taking her up to, to the castle, making sure that she was okay. So uh, he gets my MVP. In his big, strong arms. That's right. Those big bear arms. <laughs> Grizzly bear. He's got a right to bear arms. <laughs> Eric? Uh, I gave my MVP of the week to Hermione. Um, everybody's sass game is a little bit more on point in this chapter. And uh, Ron, Hermione basically calls Ron out for looking around to catch a glimpse of Madame Rosmerta, who he's enamored with. Um, she says, Ron, what are you staring at? He says, nothing. And he's and Hermione replies, I expect nothings in the back getting more fire whiskey. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. She's kind of calling him out there. Yeah. For leering. Laura? I said Professor McGonagall because I love the way she shuts Harry down at the end of the chapter. Harry was annoying the crap out of me during this because he was really coming across as paranoid and unable to reason uh, and just not rational. And I really enjoyed the point where when Harry was sort of refusing to give her details and wanting to speak with Dumbledore, she said, anything you have to say about this horrible business can be said to me, I'm sure, which like as a professional woman, I have found myself in this scenario a million times where I've had to be like, no, 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 Mm. I can handle it. You can tell me. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) She's Uh, also his head of house. I mean, not, I'm also throwing that piece of it in there. Like, he should feel more than comfortable going to her right after you know knowing her for going on six years and maybe mcgonagall herself is a little frustrated that dumbledore has been out of town so much yeah probably because how much does she know uh you know about what dumbledore is up to my mvp of the week i i forgot to uh think of one and i i've been waiting i've been pushing mine off (laughs) Mm. Um, I'm going to give mine to Mundungus because he still has the nerve to steal things out of a dead person's home. And it takes quite the character to be able to do that type of thing. So um, Mundungus, I give MVP of the week to you for all the wrong reasons. You would. (laughs) Are you saying I'm evil and would do such a thing? I'm not saying you're evil. But I mean, if if you were like in a dead person's house and you saw something you really liked, are you telling me you wouldn't think about it? Are you saying you would do that? No, I'm asking you. Yeah, but you're you're framing it like like why wouldn't you do it? Well, you picked Mundungus as your MVP, so I'm not sure what you're capable of. So when uh, when my grandmother died a few years ago, my dad and I were sitting in one of the rooms in her house, and we found a $20 bill in a Christmas card that she never sent to anybody. We took the $20 bill without telling uh, my aunt, who was the, uh, uh, what's the word? Recipient. Handled the recipient? The, no, no, not the recipient. She was in, in control of the estate. Oh. And we stole that $20. <laughs> So you still stole that from her. Yeah. <laughs> I rest my case. It's father-son bonding. Damn it, I am a nugget. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's rename the chapter now. Micah, go ahead. Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Chapter 12, Dumbledore 1, Draco 0. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> um, I went with Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Chapter 12, 
Frostbite and Pearls. Nice. Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Chapter 12. That was a good scream. It was great. Well, Laura, that was you screaming. So. Oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> and I went with Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Chapter 12, When Harry Met Hormones. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I want to see Mary Grand Prix create art for that one. What did, yeah. uh, <laughs> just out of curiosity, what did Brooklyn do when you just did that, Andrew? I can't see him right now, but I'm sure he woke up from wherever he's taking his nap. <laughs> <laughs> also, my neighbors are now calling 911. <laughs> it was a very cursed scream. Yeah, thanks. That was the point. So, Laura, um, about, gosh, I guess a year ago now, we started playing Quizitch here. Can you, can you imagine what this is? It's like Quidditch, but it's a quiz. Yeah. And we play with I our... I think the name accurately portrays that. Yeah, one of our listeners came up with it. He's a teacher, and he plays Quizage with his students. So we were like, hey, can we steal this for the show? (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. So what was last week's question, Eric? Last week's question was based on this chapter uh, of the book. And the question was, who delivers Dumbledore's message to Harry about his second lesson? Uh, This is a a recurring thing in this book where people are delivering letters from or for other people or messages. The correct answer was Ginny. And I got to say, we've actually given a lot of uh, screen time to uh, people who submit uh, the correct answer over on Twitter for uh, coming up with creative and inventive uh, profile names, uh, because that's how we credit uh, everyone who's got the correct answer. And we've got some real zingers this week. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. So I think everybody pretty much... Uh, raised the bar? Uh, raised the bar. Yeah, absolutely. So the correct answers were submitted by Potter Hobbit, <laughs> the insufferable know-it-all, Charlie, father of dragons, <laughs> vaping with dad, Sean Brady, Vanessa Cho, and somebody called Where in the World is Kevin Steck? <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows <laughs> no he's he's here in new york i saw him last week oh what you did micah yeah i saw him last weekend i think that was last weekend oh yeah oh, there you go well where was you he get drinks in new york in new york drinking <laughs> <laughs> we're the only place we see kevin anymore <laughs> you guys i think somebody actually created this account specifically for us because there's uh zero followers joined october 2018 and it's at where in the war one six i love that i do hope count ravioli is okay though yeah what happened to them the count ravioli their last submission i think was on september 1st so whoa we hope you're okay maybe they went back to school or something (laughs) you know i'm I'm just gonna do a quick tweet check oh they tweeted three days ago they're oh shoo yeah. And what is this week's question? Uh, this week's question, actually, so we're getting away from chapter reading, everybody. So Quizich, uh might be going away, or I'll just have to come up with non-book related. I don't know. We were going to do that for like a chapter by chapter thing, right? Yeah. Anyway, well, for now, it might be on hold, but until we decide, here's next week's Quizich question about the films. To date, the Wizarding World film series has won one Academy Award. In what category was the award? Okay. 
that gets us ready for the movie. Um, yeah. So you can submit those over on Twitter if uh, you know the answer. Be sure to use hashtag Quizich. Oh, so trendy. So modern. <laughs> Not as trendy as protect the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing how many tweets I see on my timeline with that now. I can't get over that they used a different word than they did with the cursed child. Like, I, why not just keep keep the secrets? Why do they need a different hashtag for keeping these secrets? You know, I, wa- I wanted to ask Lucas if the secrets were better than the secrets we had to keep last time. <laughs> so um, next week, that's going to be the final episode before... Fantastic Beasts of Crimes of Grindelwald comes out. So we are going to make lots of predictions and then we can see how right or wrong we are. Um, of course, we've been making predictions about what's going to happen for the past two years. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but now we're kind of going to solidify everything. We're just going to go through a list, get it all organized, and we want listeners to give us their predictions as well. So keep an eye out this week on our social channels and Patreon for questions we want you to answer. And the idea is we're going to ask you a different question on Twitter, on Facebook, on Facebook, and Patreon, and through voicemail. So it's going to be a whole big prediction episode next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then after that will be our review of the movie. So by by uh, two weeks from now, we'll have all seen it. And we intend to be talking about it for quite a while. And based on what Lucas said... Earlier in today's episode, and based on what we've been hearing from people, it sounds like there's going to be a lot to discuss. So that's what's coming up on MuggleCast. If you have, any, if you have anything to say about this week's episode, feel free to email in MuggleCast at gmail.com. Call us, one nine two zero three muggle That's one nine two zero three six eight four four five three. I wonder, Andrew, are we going to end up with a voicemail about uh, Dobby appearing in The Crimes of Grindelwald? <laughs> hey man so uh dobby's got five letters in his name and uh there's gonna be five movies in this series jk rowling says and uh uh today uh, today monday is november 5th that's five and uh there's five days in a work day or work week <laughs> anyway laura it was very nice having you on thanks for joining us it was great to be on. Thank you for having me. Her name also has five letters. Laura, your your name has five letters in it. Uh, oh my god! Did you do the deed with uh, Dobby? <laughs> um, maybe if I have enough of a substance to make me forget. <laughs> uh, so we'll have to have you on again in the future. Somebody in the chat, who was that? James said, "It feels like old days." With Laura I back. know this has just felt like such a really nice throwback. I feel ten years younger. Oh, it's reason enough to do this show. I know. <laughs> it's like walking around a college campus. You feel young again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks everybody for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And I'm Laura. See you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.